How do you get lasting change, whether it's for uh, weight loss, whether it's for health issues, or finances, or relationships, or emotionally? When you set a goal and want to make some change, how do you get that change to not just be a fat? I mean, that's the thing about uh, diets, especially, is uh, the yo-yo diet is unhealthy for you. What you want is a long, sustained, uh, no, this way, <laughs> a long, sustained uh, program that will not be instant and quick, but rather long and sustained. In fact, that's what we're looking at today in our teaching time, lasting change. What's God say about making lasting change in your life? So let me mention a couple of materials before we jump into the message, okay? Most of you know that in our home groups, we're looking at this issue in depth in this program. So we're using the workbook and the DVD for the home groups, okay? They're available here. I've given off most of the uh, workbook, workbooks, but they're available in a day turnaround for a couple of bucks. So if you need one, get one. But just in case you don't even want to buy the book, I have photocopied the first lesson, which most groups are going through this week, on this sheet. It's, this, it's right out of here, and it's just a bunch of scriptures and some principles to jot down as you study that. So I want to include every person in the church family. Don't, don't say, well, I didn't have a book. You got one now. They're available on the table for everybody to partake and, and participate in. If um, you don't have a home group, this is the perfect time to get involved in a home group. In fact, today at 5.30, one of the groups is meeting over at uh, Jennifer and, and Jacob's house. Um, why not? Why not get involved? Monday night, there's a group. Uh, there's one on Tuesday night at Dottie's house. There's one on Thursday night at R David and Renee's. You can just go through the calendar, and there are groups meeting throughout the week that you could participate in and be uh, involved in. This is an uh, additional resource. We've got some of these available for you to, to use. It's not the one we're studying in the small group, but it's a companion volume. This is more like through the 40 days of purpose, the 40 days of um, fitness Read this as you, as you go. It is excellent as well. So those are some, uh, some resources for you. One other thing, and I'll talk about it later in our message, is there's a card that we made up called the Buddy System. It's uh, uh, you to find a partner and to put down your current and progressive show of, of where you're at weight-wise for that. The cards are available on the back uh, table. So how do you make lasting change? If you've got your handout with you, let's jump into the, into the scriptures together. And you'll see six different uh, principle spots, a place for each of the six principles we're going to look at when we come to talk about lasting change in your life. Instead of the yo-yo up and down diet. One guy said, oh, it's easy to lose weight. I've lost over 2,000 pounds. I gained it all back, but I just kept, I lost it, I gained it, I lost it, I gained it, I lost, you know. Yeah, that's kind of what we want to avoid. We want to sustain healthy lifestyles, healthy, fit, and, and, and letting our bodies be used by God the way he wants to, to use them. What if we took a minute just now and prayed? Would you join me, please? Heavenly Father, thank you for calling us to be uh, your people. Thank you for giving us uh, wisdom and insight 
Uh, today, as we unfold your word, we ask that you would open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts to you. May what we learn today be uh, able to be applied in many ways in our lives. Would you bring and sustain lasting change so that we reflect who you are, we reflect who you've called us to be, and we reflect the value that you've placed in us reaching others. We put ourselves before you, and this time, dedicate it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you've got a Bible or your handout, turn to uh, Romans chapter 12. We're just going to go verse by verse by verse through this hallmark chapter, chapter 12 of Romans, and look at sustained or lasting change that God's called us to. You know, everybody wants to grow and, and, be, and be better. I mean, there's this uh, evidenced by the self-help industry. You know, the self-help industry out there is multi-billion dollar industry where it's predicated on this idea that people look at things and they say, I want to be better. I want to get healthier. I want something. Now, often it's a it's something you take and it's instant or they promise to be instant and sometimes they work, sometimes they don't work, sometimes you're glad you got the, 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 the Ginsu knives instead of uh, <laughs> the diet pills or with the diet pills or something. But you can see by that that there's a desire and a deep embedded uh, passion for us to get better, for us to be different, for us to have change in our life. Here's a phrase for you. I want you to catch this today. Anyone can turn over a new leaf, but only God can give you a new life. Okay? Anyone can turn over a new leaf, but only God can bring change for a new life. That's the overarching plan, the overarching idea for today, the big idea of lasting change. If you look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1, you first get this first principle. In fact, jot this down. The first uh, blank there is dedication. Because God says that you and I are supposed to commit our bodies to God. We're supposed to commit our bodies to God. Just like a priest would, would commit an, a sacrifice on the altar... We are supposed to be living sacrifices, not on sitting on some altar, not having some death come to us, but just the opposite. We are to live our lives. In fact, look what this says. Therefore, by the way, it's always good to ask when something says therefore what it's there for. He's had 11 chapters of talking about the mercies of God, talking about how great God is, how much he has given to us, Okay. So now he says, well, therefore, since God has been so stinking good to us, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. I mean, you and I are to literally offer our bodies to God. Now, some of us would say, God, you can have it. I'm sick of it. <laughs> God, you can have it. It doesn't work well for me. God, it's wearing out, so you can have it. And, and eventually... Our bodies all go the same way. Caleb was talking about that. They're just a tent that's going to be done. But for right now, but where you stand at this place on earth, all of us have a body that we're supposed to dedicate or commit to God, warts and all. Okay? 
Commit your body to God. <laughs> That's the challenge here. Dedication is to commit your body to God. See, in our world and in our lives, the body is intricately connected with our spirit and our heart and our soul. Let me do an illustration real quick, okay? How about everybody sit up as straight as you can for a minute, do a little shoulder rotation, and let's just take, take a couple of deep breaths. Take a big breath in. Okay, exhale. Let's do it again. Okay, exhale. Now, you look good, you know? You look a lot better anyway. You're all sitting up, ready to take... You will listen better when you physiologically have that kind of position. You know when kids come in class and they're slouching and leaning over and we wonder if they're listening? Physiology connects with psychology, with your spirit, with your heart, with your soul. When you reoxygenate your body, you're just more alert. You're more ready to receive. And so he's connecting the first place we need to start in change that lasts forever is with our bodies. Notice he didn't say, offer your spirits to God. Of course we'd want to offer our spirits to God. But in this verse, what does he say? Notice he doesn't say, offer your souls to God. You would expect that, right? Offer your souls up to God because it's a spiritual soul relationship. It is. But he says, offer your body. See, in God's mind, there's not this disconnect between body, soul, and spirit. They are brought together. And the one you can control, the one you have say over, the one you, some of us have say over, we wish we had say over, the one that he's saying dedicate to him is the physical. Because the physical is the way to get to the spiritual, which is the way to get to the soul, the heart. Are you following that? So how do we begin lasting change? We commit our bodies, or offer our bodies to God. Now, just for grins, I uh, saw this thing out there. You know Adele, the, this fantastic singer? Someone made a parody of one of her songs, Hello, and it, it just kind of brings this passion and, and, and kind of idea. It's silly as can be, but t- take a listen to this with me. Hello, it's me I've avoided you forever while consuming calories I love donuts, <laughs> mac and cheese Mac and cheese They say kale is antioxidants but I'm anti-leafy greens Hello, can you save me? I'm in calisthenics dreaming about Netflix and Mickey D's. When I was younger, these jeans used to fit me. Now my booty's got them bursting at the seams. <laughs> There's more circumference to my gut and no gap between my thighs. Cravings for some fries. <laughs> I did one push up in a cry. <laughs> and 
angry. There we go. They're angry. <laughs> I dare you to smile at that one. Oh. Hello. CrossFit fanatic. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Here we go. The exercise. I know what you're going to say. I'll get addicted once I'm at it. And I know you mean well. But if you shout at me just one more time, I might commence to snap. And it's no secret. That Zumba class is the last thing on my mind. Hello, dictionary boy. That's not what my body's trying. <laughs> Krispy Kreme gives me life. Oh, if it weren't so true, it'd be funny, right? <laughs> well, I think that's a bit over the top, don't you? Yeah, yeah, apparently... What are we talking about again? Oh, yeah. Commit your body to God. Your body to God. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable or pleasing to God. Now, notice what it says. This is your spiritual act of worship. He's not saying offer your spirit because it's your spiritual act of worship. He's saying when you offer your body to God, it is a spiritual act. Are you following that? It's not just a physical, I mean, it's not just a spiritual act. They're connected. The physical and the spirit are inextricably joined. It's impossible to separate those out. And it's not just a one-time deal. The phraseology here is to offer continually, to offer on a repeated basis, to not just once. Now, we need to do it once, but we need to do it often, Okay, it's kind of like in your marriage, you know, you make a commitment at the altar, but then you live out that commitment with lots and lots of smaller commitments. It's the same when we offer our bod to God. Okay, we offer it to him in a one time act. Okay, we offer it to him. Maybe we baptize him to Christ or something that visualizes that. But then through lots of small daily things. See, uh, too often we think of a, a day of victory, and that's worth celebrating. But what we want is a sustained daily focus of offering our body to God as a living sacrifice. Now, how do we do that? What does it look like? What does this spiritual act of worship really get lived out like? Three things. Jot this down. The first one, God says to cleanse your body. And we're not talking about washing the dirt off the outside. But we're talking about what's going on inside your heart, mind, and soul, and in your body and spirit. 
Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Let us purify ourselves from anything that contaminates the body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for Christ. You notice those two things right there. What's it say? Anything that contaminates the body and the spirit. What contaminates the body? Food and drink. What we put in our mouth can contaminate our body. Now, there may be some external radiation kinds of things, but for the most part, what contaminates our body is stuff we control. Who force feeds us, right? We control, me, we control what we eat. That's what contaminates the body. What contaminates the spirit? What goes through the eye gate? What goes through the ear gate? Okay? Mouth, body. Eye, ear, soul, spirit. Okay? He says, let's purify ourselves from both of those. What goes in the mouth? What goes in the eyes? What goes in the ears? Let's protect our heart, our spirit, and our bodies from anything that's going to deteriorate, contaminate. In fact, that's the word right there. Contaminate the body. So we cleanse it. How many of you know the word detox? It's not just about alcohol. It's not just about uh, prescription drugs. It's not just about illicit drugs. Some of us need to detox when it comes to food items. Some of you heard the testimony of a lady named Amber. We shared it last week and in some of the home groups. And she said, I I knew I couldn't do the Daniel plan because I hated vegetables. Then she gives a testimony. She said, I went through a period of detox and miraculously, she said, at the end of six weeks, I started craving vegetables like I used to crave sugar. Now that's a detox we want, right? She began to hunger for the things God had made instead of for the way man had kind of polluted what God had made. Amazing. God's calling on us to cleanse ourselves from the outside in, not just the inside out. He says perfecting holiness. Now, notice the goal here. It's out of a reverence for God, out of your love and devotion to God. Now, there's a lot of people out there that are good at cleansing and and, and working with their body, but in some ways, they're kind of worshiping their own body. Okay, It's not out of their reverence for God. So be very careful that your motivation isn't self-glory and look at me and I'm so buff, but it's rather trusting and loving and honoring Christ with your body. That's what it's about. He says, in reverence for for God. Second thing, don't only cleanse it. The Bible talks about you caring for your body. Cleanse your body, but then don't stop there. Care for your body. And here's the verse from the marriage passage in Ephesians chapter 5. No one hates his own body. I put the little parentheses in there. At least nobody in their right mind. You know, there are some sicknesses that talk about people who hate their own body. In fact, we're breeding a whole generation of young women who hate their own body. Their body image is so distorted by what we're doing in society that they're not in their right mind. God didn't design us that way. So he's saying, if you're in your right mind, nobody hates their own body. It just doesn't make sense. 
but instead you care for your own body. Now, he's using this to talk about marriage. A husband's going to care for his wife like she's his own body. Okay? But in this case, he's trying to make the point. We care for our bodies. And he calls on us to keep it in shape and to keep it healthy. For just as Christ cares for his body, the church, the family of God, care for it. So I got to ask you this morning, how are you doing at cleansing it? How are you doing at caring for it? Are you letting God uh, have his way with your body? Commit your body to God. Number three, number three is control it. (laughs) This is someone we don't like, right? (laughs) So you cleanse it, care for it, and control it. Each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Control your own body in a way that is honorable and holy to the Lord. I discipline my body, I love this one, like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Notice it's what it should, what God made it for. That's all we're talking about in this season of the Daniel plan is just letting God have his way in the way he made us with our bodies, with who we are, and with our health. In fact, I'm convinced that if, if we as a body, numbers of us, just said, Lord, I want to take these 40 days to, to, to dedicate myself to you. I want it to be cleansed, cared for, and controlled like you've designed. See, that's the idea of the Daniel plan. That's why we use the term the Daniel plan. Daniel said to the king, I'm not going to take in the the polluted stuff. I'm not going to take in the contaminants. I'm not going to take in stuff that's not God-given and God-best. And he made this challenge before him. And so during that time, during that season, by cleansing it, caring for it, and controlling it, their health surpassed all of their peers, all of those in their control group. And they they, they were uh, rewarded because they were able to show that since 75% of our health care industry, as we saw in that video at the beginning, is given right now to curable weight-related diseases, 75%, we have a lot of options for us. And in a way, we're saying we'd rather be sick. We'd rather be ill. We'd rather follow the world, and instead he's calling us. No, commit your body to God. Commit your life to Christ, and um, he'll take it. So here's the, the law. The, the, the word is dedication. Commit your body to God. And the law is change is your choice. Jot that down. Change is your choice. Or not. Change is your choice. Well, let's move on to the second one in this Romans passage. If the first one is dedication, commit your body to God. The second one is concentration, and it's refocus my mind. Remember I said your body and your mind are inextricably linked? You don't do one and ignore the other. In fact, this passage links them together in the same phrase. Okay, Do not... Be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but 
be transformed by the renewing of your what? Body? By the renewing of your spirit? By the renewing of your mind. Are you catching that? See, when you refocus your thinking, when you concentrate and refocus your mind, you're no longer conformed to the image or the pattern of this world. What's a pattern? If I'm a seamstress and I've got a pattern to make a dress, what, what is it? Well, I'm copying that pattern to make this dress. If I'm a, a woodsman and I'm, you've got a template and I'm copying that pattern or that template, okay? He's saying, what's your template? What's your pattern? He says, don't be conformed any longer to the template, the pattern of this world. Because this world's trying to squeeze you. Here's what the Living Bible says. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. I've got this picture in my office of a, of a coffin, you know, an old-fashioned wooden coffin, and someone trying to cram somebody into this conformed figure of this coffin. Don't let the world conform you to its image. Instead, be transformed. Now, the word transformed right here, metamorphum. Metamorphum. You know the word from biology, probably. Metamorphosis. How many of you have heard that word before? Metamorphosis. We see it in rocks. We see it in uh, uh, several different things. The place where it comes most pronounced is in the insect world. When a larva, well, well, when a caterpillar goes into its cocoon and comes out a butterfly. And you look at the caterpillar and you look at the butterfly and you go, wow, these are like different creatures. No, that's the same creature, just transformed. Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. And that's the word he's using when he talks about us. He says, I want you to go from being conformed to this world to being transformed, to being a child of God, to being a, a man or a woman after God's own heart. That's why the symbol of a butterfly is so often depicting this very verse, metamorphosis. Be transformed by the refocusing, the renewing of your mind. Remember, anyone can turn over a new leaf, but only God can create a new life. That's the point. Turn it over to God. In fact, the second law is to change my life, I must change my model. Okay? I must change my pattern. I must change the example that I'm looking at for this. Remember how many times Jesus said, follow me. 18 times in scripture, Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. In fact, the Apostle Paul, some of his greatest leaders, said, Inasmuch as I follow Jesus, follow me. Because we all need models. We all need uh, patterns that we can follow. And the world, if you follow the world's pattern, it is going to lead both spiritually and physically to death. Do not follow any longer, he says, the patterns of this world. But by the renewing of your mind, be transformed. Some of the passages talk about putting off the old, kind of the caterpillar side, and putting on the new, like we would think about the butterfly side. If I, uh, 
If I've got a, a suit on and I go to buy a new suit, I bought one for my daughter's wedding, my son's wedding the other a year ago or so. You go to men's warehouse, you got a suit on, I need a replacement suit. Grab one off the rack and go in the stall and put it on over the other suit. Would that make any sense? No. It's going to be hot. <laughs> it's going to be uncomfortable. And it's not going to fit. You know, he says, shed the old and put on the new. I mean, that's the point here. That's the whole point. Don't be conformed to the old pattern. Put on a brand new pattern. I've got something new for you. It's going to be totally different. And it's around the renewing of your mind, the refocusing. I mean, that's why the Bible says it's called born again. Okay? I mean, can you see that in the caterpillar and the butterfly? Born anew. You are a different and distinct person. Number three. We got dedication, we got concentration, and now we've got evaluation. Jot that down. Humbly assess yourself. A key word there is humbly. Assess yourself. Okay? Evaluation. In fact, here's what the Romans 12 passage says Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but rather think of yourself with sober. Judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. The New Living Bible says, Be honest in the estimation of yourself. We're talking about evaluation here. Who are you and where do you start this journey? Okay? It's called evaluation. You know, if somebody's lost and they give you a phone call and they say, Can you give me directions to where you're at? What's your first question? Well, where are you? You've got to know where they're at in order to direct them to where you're at. If they're coming from the north, you're going to direct them one way. If they're coming from the south, or the, wherever they're at, the directions differ. Okay? They might be in Madrid, Spain. <laughs> they might be in Africa. You're going to give them different directions depending on where they are at. It's the same in this case, depending on where you are at. You need to know where you are at in order to know how to get to where you want to go. Does that make sense? Where are you at? That's what this part of the verse is all about. Think properly, soberly about where you are at. What are the needs of your life, the needs of your heart, the needs of your family, the needs of your marriage, the needs of your finances? Where are you at Right now, we can't go anywhere until we know where we're at in order to direct us in where we believe God is taking us. So this whole idea of being evaluated. See, the number one thing that keeps us from growing is pride. The number one thing that keeps us from growing is pride. Because when we evaluate ourselves, we always think of ourselves as better than we are. Almost always, we think of ourselves as better than we are. And it negates the opportunity to really grow. We don't even get started because I'm not as bad as somebody else, right? And that's kind of what we do to ourselves. In fact, I want you to key in on a, a couple of key words here. First of all, catch this word here, measure. That's a, that's a metron 
metron. We get the word metric from that. Okay, this is, this is a measurement. Okay, measuring is really important for evaluation. Where you're at can be measured. If somebody says, I'm on the corner of 4th and State, that's a measurement, a positional measurement of where they are at. We all need to measure and, and express in metrics where we're at. That's why I've asked you to do the buddy cards. So you're not going, well, I think I lost 10 pounds. Because you know when you think you lost 10 pounds, you may or may not have. It's when you see it on the scale that you're actually seeing the metron, the measurement of that. Uh, Thursday night, a couple of us uh, jumped on the scale. Not together. That would have been disastrous for that scale. <laughs> we jumped on the scale right here at the, at the church building and jotted down a starting date, Thursday, a, a starting weight, and a, a little initial. You know why we did that? Not because we can't trust ourselves, but you know, we can't trust ourselves. <laughs> why do we do that? Accountability. Okay, we're going to talk more about that, but I think the measurement part of this is really important. Do you know the vital statistics? Do you know your cholesterol level? Do you know your body mass index? Do you know your height-weight ratio? And does that help you set some goals? Because evaluation is good to say, here's where I want to be, and put some goals with that. We're doing a 10-week um, assessment here. Why are we doing 10 weeks? Because we want slow, steady progress, not instant. You know, we don't want, it's not even healthy to lose 10 pounds in a week. Okay? But if you lose one pound a week for 10 weeks, guess what? You're starting in some health program, a health system that's sustainable. Okay? But you're only going to know that as you measure and keep track and keep control. By the way, our, um, our funds that are kind of hooked to the weight loss, $25 a pound or a puzzle piece per 10 pounds, is directly related to those little cards that are evidenced by witnesses. <laughs> it, it just makes sense, right? You know, I've got more about that on your um, card there. So... What's your measure? Ask the people around you and in your life, not just about your weight, but what are some things that you could do to grow? Here's the principle. I can only manage what I can measure. Jot that down. I can only manage what I can measure. It gets a biblical term. So record your progress, but know your starting point. Know where you're at uh, to begin with. Now, maybe you're a, a, a person with the opposite problem, and you need to gain some weight. It's the same principle. Some of us would be very jealous of you, but <laughs> that happens. Where do you need to be in that uh, starting and growth process for that? Well, we're taking too long on that, but does that make sense? Evaluation. Evaluation. And the law is, uh, I can only manage what I can measure. Let's 
slip into this one for a minute. This is number four, cooperation. Cooperation. What we're talking about here is the value of community, the value of brothers and sisters being together in this. As I look back on my own life, where I've progressed in my spiritual life, my physical life, anywhere I've seen progress, almost without exception, I've had high accountability in those times. When I coast, it's with low accountability. What this is talking about is accountability, cooperating. In fact, look what it says. Just as our bodies have many members and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are all parts of one body and each of us has a different work to do. And since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other and each of us needs all the others. We're talking about cooperation here. You know, I talk about this a lot around here. Our desire, our passion, our need for community. The Bible has 58 one another's. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. Bless one another. Comfort one another. You just go through the one another's. 58 of them that you can't do by yourself in your home. You know, in your home. There's impossible. It's impossible to be a biblical Christian and not have those people in your life. Impossible. You can't do it. You can't love one another when there's no other. Okay? So he's calling on us. He's pulling on us. And if you want to make lasting change in your life, buddy up. Partner up. Get in a small group. Get connected to some people where you can have community with one another. Where you have group support. That's the magic. That's the the tremendous blessing of it. AA and 12-step programs is you've got a community of believers or community of people who are trusting God in the same or like way. Cooperate and grow. Remember, anyone can turn over a new leaf, but only God, only God can give you a new life. Okay? Let's jump in the next one because these are closely related. Cooperation leads to affirmation. And what I'm talking about here is fill your life with love. (laughs) Fill your life with love. Instead of focusing on what you don't want, (laughs) focus on the affirmation. What do you want? What is it that God is calling to you to? Don't pretend that you love others. Really love them. Hate what is evil. (laughs) Stand on the side of the good. Love each other with a genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Oh, that's the goal right there. Take delight in honoring each other. So I'm saying fill your life with love. What he's calling on us, folks, is to give our lives away in love. You know, the way we're going to have lasting change is when we're in a group, not just to cooperate to meet some goals, but to actually love one another. The way we change best and the way we, the way we sustain change the best is an environment of agape, agape love, unconditional love, giving our, yourselves away. Are you in a place? Are you in a place every week where you're looking at people eyeball to eyeball, and when you have a small win, a small victory, a small celebration, you get the whole group going, "Attaboy!" You know, you need that. I need that. They need that. Okay, affirm. 
The Bible says, one another, honor each other. How are you doing at that? It could be that the very change God wants to make in your life is because you're not in a spot where you're getting and you're not giving the honoring, the affirmation, the opportunity to do that uh, celebration of the small wins and the challenge, the support that comes. And these small groups, they're not meant as, as just a place where you'd receive. I know you might look at that in our consumer-minded world. I'm going to find a home group that will meet my needs. It's really not. If, if that's your focus, you're going to miss it. Find a home group where you can help others. And in the process, your needs will be met. If you're looking at it, I mean, even, even this, well, I don't really have a, a health or fitness need, so I don't need the group. Well, they need you. They may need somebody in the group that's not struggling. Because what, what's the statistics say? 80% of our people are obese in the United States. That reflects into our church. 80% of our congregation have a weight problem. So if you don't, if you're one of the 20% that don't, get yourself in a group and help us. Follow me? Don't look at it as, it's not going to meet my needs. Just the opposite. Because when you step into the lives of others, guess what? There's a powerful, powerful blessing that bounces right back at you. When your focus is others, you will be blessed. When your focus is yourself, that's not love. That's not love. That's selfishness. And our, our consumer-oriented culture has taught us nothing but selfishness, even with our church. Well, I'm going to go to a church that meets my needs. That's not what we're here for. I mean, I know the world tells you that. God says the opposite. God says the opposite. He wants you to look at the body of Christ and say, I've got something to give. I want to love these people. I want to give my heart my soul, my spirit, and even my body away. You know, this, this week I learned something that I had not paid attention to in the book of Job. In Job, chapter 42, verse 10. You don't have to look there, but you know, some of you know the story of Job. He had all this wealth. He was an amazing man. It all got taken away. And he ended up, he lost his health. He lost everything, his family. And as he was sitting in misery... He had these so-called friends around him who really did more putting down than building up. And uh, here's what verse, 40, uh, verse 10 of chapter 42 says. And when Job prayed for his friends, and when Job prayed for his friends, God brought back his wealth. God brought back his family. In fact, he doubled his wealth. He doubled his family. And I was just focusing on that. It wasn't until Job got to the point where he prayed for his, I'd call them miserable friends. Okay? That's when everything turned around for him. When the focus wasn't on him, I mean, he was in misery, both physically and emotionally and mentally and financially. He was in misery. But when it turned around, and he prayed for others, boom, everything turned around for him. Now, it's not that we do loving others to get, because that wouldn't be love. We love purely. 
He says, love genuinely, genuine affection. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring others. Don't, don't honor others begrudgingly. Well, okay, they did well. I know I didn't, so I'm... See, I'm thinking about myself again. Genuinely honor others and support them. Well, I know we're way past time, but I got to get one more, okay? I love this one. This is my favorite one of all of them, okay? Inspiration. Inspiration. This is the one that deals with nurturing... (laughs) My favorite word. Enthusiasm. Okay? Be enthusiastic. You know? No matter what, can you be enthusiastic? That's what this verse is talking about. If you're going to sustain long-term change in your life, you're going to have to have a measure of enthusiasm or it's never going to work or it's not going to keep working. You see, sometimes it's easy for us to get started with some energy and we jump off with a, with a, with a bang, you know? Sometimes even in the middle, we can, yep, I'm going to make it. But so far into it, sometimes the energy and the enthusiasm can wane. And here's what lasting change takes. He says it this way. Never be lacking in zeal. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor. Okay, zeal. Let's define it as love ablaze. Love on fire. Passionate love. That's zeal. He says, never be lagging in zeal. Passionate love. But keeping your spiritual fervor, your spiritual heat, your spiritual passion, some of us would say, serving the Lord. Here's how you do it, these three ways. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Jot those down. Joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer prayer. How do you maintain enthusiasm? Here's, it, it is. Be in God. That's the meaning of enthusiasm. Inspiration means uh, breathed into. Okay? Inspirito. Breathe into. Remember when God took Adam, this uh, man he took from the dust and he breathed into him the breath of life, the Bible says, and he became a living soul. That's inspirito. He inspired that. When uh, God talks about his word, when God talks about the Bible, he says he breathes into the Bible and it becomes inspired. That's why we call it the inspired, God-breathed word of God. Okay? Enthusiasm, theos, you know the word theos, like we talk about theology is the study of God. Theos is God. And in, just the same as the, our, our word in, in and in are the same. In God. To have enthusiasm means to be in God. In theos. If you want to be sustaining any change, in your life, it has to be something that comes from God. The first phrase I used, if you want to turn over a new leaf, anybody can do that. But to get a new life, that comes from the Lord. It's got to be in God. That's where the energy, that's where the momentum, so that instead of worrying, you go to God and worship. You know, instead of being panic, 
You bow your knees in prayer. Instead of failing and falling, you stand up and look God, ask for God's help and trust in him and grow. That's what sustains and gives you sustaining measure. Rejoice in hope. What we're talking about here is not happiness because happiness depends on happenings, but joy and rejoicing depends on Jesus. We're talking about patience in suffering. Suffering is going to happen. How are you doing at trusting God in the midst of that and having patience? It's a choice. I must nurture enthusiasm. Well, God's called us to dedication, to concentration, to evaluation, to cooperation, and he's called us to inspiration. Uh, these are the marks. These are the tools. These are the, this is the process he's given us in this passage in order to sustain lasting change. We're applying it specifically to our physical challenges. It applies to every challenge, relationally, financially, uh, spiritually, emotionally, and as, especially, as we talked about, physiologically. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us Jesus. Thank you for allowing us to have a model as powerful and as pure and as great as Jesus. Father, as we look today for a change that would last in our lives, we're looking to you, that you would be the one that brings about a difference, that brings about change, and that sustains it in our lives. Lord, as we look at humbly evaluating ourselves, we can tell where we need to change. It's not hard for us to see all the areas that are out of whack and out of balance. So we're looking to you, not only to evaluate, help us evaluate, but to make those lasting changes we can trust you for at all times. Thank you for bringing the body of Christ together. Thank you for this unit, this series, this, this uh, moment in time where we're making this focus. Lord, please help us to grow and glorify you through it. May this be a time that you're pleased. It's our spiritual service of worship. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.